Welcome to this week's episode of the Tyson Pre-Show. I am so glad you joined us. We're going to touch on just a little bit of a touchy topic, I think, for some people. I really don't understand why it's touchy, um, as my view and Rick's view will become evident on this. But first off, let me welcome Rick to the show. Rick, welcome to the Tyson Pre-Show. Thanks, Tyson. It's just like old times. It is. It's like old times that we've done multiple times before. Um, just wondering if uh, if you remember any of those old podcasts, uh, what it was called. Um, I know it had your name in it. Well, uh, Succeed. Succeed with Tyson Price. Oh, that was it. yes, that's it. Wow. Good memory, man. Good memory. Um, <clears throat> well, welcome to the show. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself before we get going, and then we'll dive into the topic. Well, uh, I'm a married guy. I have two grown daughters. Um, my uh, main job, I guess, for lack of a better word, I own a web design company. Um, I also work part-time for a video production company. Um, and I'm a sports official, uh, mostly working football and, and basketball. Um, okay. And I'm also a varsity softball coach. Well, what got you on this show is I saw a Facebook post and it relates to what you just mentioned, right? You're kind of an entrepreneurial kind of guy. Um, as I, I am, kind of like to, I like to have my hands in everything, <laughs> <laughs> right? I like to limit myself. Right. Um, and one of the things I think most entrepreneurs entrepreneurs do when they start out is this idea of being able to make money. And you had a Facebook post in regards to that. <clears throat> and I don't remember exactly what that is. Do you, do you want to share that with us? Um, it says something to the effect of, <clears throat> I don't understand when making a profit as a company became greed. Mm. Yeah. Um, and unless... I don't remember exactly what sparked that. Yeah. I mean, it. I think there was a discussion for a lot of people about, I don't know, CEOs making money or companies making certain profits or whatever, but. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think, there is this kind of undercurrent and I don't even know that it's an undercurrent anymore uh, of this idea that companies should only be allowed to make so much money um, or that somehow <clears throat> profits should be capped. Um, and so I want to touch on two parts. One is the positive side, right? Of the amount of money that's being made. And then the negative side of capping that money. Right. And, and, and capping that. <clears throat> so let's talk briefly on, you know, why would we not w <clears throat> want to cap what, how much money a company can make? Right. I mean, if you think about this concept that is new to humanity, <clears throat> it's new to, uh, it's new as a result of Western culture. It's one word called retirement. Right. right. This is the idea of the idea of retirement is a concept that is fair. like our great, great grandparents. Just go back like three generations. This concept of retirement just doesn't exist. Now, why might I want a how might a company being super successful and profitable impact this new thing that we have in our society? Well, I think what most people don't take into account is that if you have a, a regular nine to five job where you get benefits and everything, you probably own a part of these companies that make so much money, um, either as part of a 401k 
that your company provides or as you know, if you have your own IRA or some other investment kind of account, you know, mutual funds or whatever, you probably own part of these companies, which, which makes up the, the wealth that you are trying to build so that you can retire. Right. So if I own these companies, I want them to be profitable. Right. I want to be able to retire, which, yeah. And, and I, I want to talk about too, not only from the aspect of making money and being able to retire, um, which is, which is more selfish. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, let's <laughs> right. Don't we all kind of want to be able to retire like really nice. Right. Right. And that is all varies based on your lifestyle and level of income. But the other thing I think we need to think about is as a company grows, the more people they employ, right? right? And that means that they're able to put food on more tables. They're able to allow, you know, Christmas presents around trees, you know, birthday presents around the table, around the cake. Um, A company growing is not negative. I mean, if you don't want to grow, why why did you get into business to begin with? And if you... You have to make the assumption if the company's growing, they're going to need to make more or provide more of the services that they, that the company exists to do. You know, if they make a product, they're going to have to make more of that product if they're growing. And to make more of that product, they're going to need more employees to make it. And if they're providing a service, they're going to need more employees to provide that service. Right. Exactly. I think the important thing here is to understand that for a company to grow, it is almost, dare I say, and some people are going to shudder at this, a company's growth is almost a righteous thing when it's done properly and ethically and morally, because they are benefiting the society in which they exist. In multiple ways. Such as? Well, they're providing, as you said, they're, they're providing jobs, they're providing a way to make it earn an income for lots of people. And the bigger they grow, the more people that is, they're providing some kind of product or service that benefits society, or otherwise they wouldn't be growing. Um, you know, if they're making a widget that everybody wants, and they start making the best of those widgets that anybody else makes, that benefits society and having that product. And everybody wins when a, when a company grows now ethically, as you said, I mean, there's, of course, there's, there's ways to grow unethically and we're not talking about that. <laughs> Absolutely. I go ahead. We're going to say and, something. And, and also as a, as a company grows, their value goes up. And the more their value goes up, the more the people who invest in that, which in most right. cases are regular average people, just like you mm-hmm. and I, yeah. Um, the value goes up to you, which means the, the, stock price goes up and it's worth more. So then when you go to retire and you go to sell that stock, it's worth a lot more than what you paid for it. And that's how you earn money to be able to retire. Yeah. I I don't think when people say, well, we we need companies need not to make so much money. Um, So what you're saying is, is you don't want them to grow and you don't want them to better society. I mean, think about the incentive to grow, the incentive to grow that incentive is the ability to make more money. I'm incentivized by, if I'm a publicly traded company, I have stockholders that I report to, 
that want me to make money, right? So that as I make money, <clears throat> I can pay my employees or I can pay um, dividends on the stock. <clears throat> and then that money is paid to, for example, uh, Rick, you own a company. I work for you. Um, I produce a widget for you. <clears throat> You're able to take that widget, sell it for a hundred dollars, right? Right. You pay me 50 of that hundred. Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm happy with the $50 for that widget. <clears throat> I take that $50 and then I make my spouse happy and we go out to eat and I buy a meal for my spouse. My spouse is happy that I've produced a widget. The server that's waiting on us in the restaurant is happy that I produced that widget because now I'm now going to give them certificates of my happiness from that widget. Right. right. And you as the company owner <clears throat> are going to take those $50 and you're going to, um, yeah, I, I horribly botched these percentages. I just making this up, right? But you're going to take uh, $20 of that and pay it out in dividends. You're going to take another $30 of that widget and pocket it for yourself. And then you're going to take your spouse out to eat, or you're going to buy a pool and, and keep the pool people happy. And <clears throat> this is a very happy. And, and every step, every step along the way, you're creating wealth. Yes. And that, that's, I think that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand the people who call this greed and, Oh, they're just getting whatever they can. They see wealth and money as a, a zero sum game. If someone else okay. has more of it than I do, they've taken from me. They've taken my share. You know, a lot of right. people call it the pie. They've taken my share of the pie, but that's not the way wealth works. You, you create wealth. Exactly. And, and wealth builds and it's not, there's not just so much wealth. Yeah, there's you create wealth by like you just said, you take $50 and make a widget that's worth $100. You just created $50 worth of wealth. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, you know, we were talking offline to use an example of a house, right? You buy a house, right? You buy a house. Right. Uh, you want to, for our listeners who are listening, uh, we were yeah. talking offline. You want to share yeah. that? analogy well, i loved it because there's so many ways it really shows that money is not an in some game that there's not right. only so much money sitting out there there's untold because we don't know how much wealth can be created so okay so let's, let's let's talk about a scary prospect tyson priest makes a, a construction company oh boy yeah because i knows how well that would go but <laughs> you could at least manage the company you'd be you could be a good CEO okay. of a, okay. a construction yeah, company. <laughs> you don't want putting up a wall or anything. Yeah, but go ahead. <laughs> Me neither. So, so we have the Tyson, Tyson Priest um, construction company, and I hire you to build me a house. And now I'm using easy round numbers, and I'm going to use smaller numbers just to make the math easy. Um, but you can scale this at whatever scale you want to scale it at. So let's say I, I hire you to build a house, and I'm going to pay you $100,000 for everything, for that house. So you go out, you buy the land, you buy material. And let's say the, the and again, I'm just using easy numbers here. Sure. Let's say the land and material are, are $50,000. And then, you know, you hire a crew and it's, it's another $20,000. So you've spent $70,000 of that money to build me a $100,000 house. Well, that $30,000 doesn't, isn't taken from anywhere else that $30,000 of profit you just made that no one took that from anybody else. It, it, it was created by time and effort. You took raw materials 
and made them into something that was worth something more. Right. And now you, as the, the business owner, have the, the profit to do, and you know, more than likely, you're probably going to invest that back into your business, buy more raw materials for maybe the next job, maybe put it into some marketing to try to get new mm-hmm. jobs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of out of the scope of what we're talking about. But, and then the, the $20,000 in labor you paid for, all those people, you know, worked for, you know, how long to, I don't know how long it takes to build a house. What? Right. A month, six maybe. Months. Yeah. Six months, I really? I don't know. It probably depends on a lot of stuff. Let's, right. But anyway, but you, you, those people got a wage for that, that time. And, and assuming you're going to build more houses, they'll have a wage continuing on and on and on. They're providing for their families. And all that, again, that wealth is created. So you didn't take that money from someone else. You right. created it by building something. And that's, that's what companies do. They, and individuals do. You create wealth right. by, by building things, by producing things, by providing services, by, um, you know, in my job, I create websites for people. Now, that's not as tangible a thing as a house is, but it's, it's worth something to that company. So when, it, when, a, when a company pays me $3,000 to build a website, they're getting $3,000 worth of value for them. If they weren't, they wouldn't pay me that. Well, exactly. And I think, you know, when you, when you stop and think about, let's say the house is built and like you said earlier as well, they decide to build um, a shopping outdoor shopping mall, you know, within walking distance of my house, my house, my home value now, let's say went from a hundred thousand to 200,000. Well, that's not fair. How's come you got an extra hundred thousand dollars? Well, it happens because wealth is created. Right. No, I didn't take it from anybody else. I mean, that just, that literally just happened to millions of people who own property, myself included. Our, our house value shot up in the last two years and we took advantage of that. And we used some of that, that wealth that was created to put back into the house to make it even more valuable. So that your Um, money can make money. Right. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. Right. And was I greedy to do that? Was I greedy to make my house better? I mean, the things that we're adding are things that, that are both convenient to us to make our house better for us to live in, but it's also making the value more because if we do go to sell it, someone might look at that and say, you know, I really want a house that has that. Well, one of the things we're doing, we're adding solar panels and right. hopefully they're going to be here next week to finish that. I will be excited cool. if they are. <laughs> and that's valuable to me because my cost of providing energy is going to go way down. Right. Um, it worked out financially because of how percentage rates were down when I refinanced my house to be able to pay for the solar panels. I'm not really paying that much out of pocket for them because in the interest rates that went down, my payment didn't go up very much to get the money mm-hmm. to put the solar panels on. So my yeah. cash flow wise money is really pretty low into it and the amount of money is kind of reduced in my my electricity bill which is pretty high is Mm -hmm. going to be substantial so it's it's a benefit to me and then when i go to sell my house someone who says you know i really would like that house but have solar panels on it i'm willing to pay an extra whatever for that house i've created more value to my house and i did that by not taking from anybody else matter of fact i made value for other people the solar company that came to install it they're making money and right. they're taking their raw materials 
and the things that they buy from other companies and, and making a product that's more valuable than what, than the raw materials they made. So it goes down the line that every step of the way, more wealth is created. Yeah. Yeah. I, there's a, there's a lot to be said in the ability of one to create wealth, right? Because when that wealth is created, then it is, it is spent bettering the society in which the wealth was created. <clears throat> um, so to come in and say, okay, well, you have too much money. You, you have too much, you've made too much money. What you're doing is you're slapping the hand of creativity. Right. Now, now, if you create something society doesn't want, they're not going to pay for it, right? Right. So you're not going to create wealth. So for example, <clears throat> let's say there's a store <clears throat> that you shop at and everything in the store is on sale and they say, well, these sweatpants were $50, but we've marked them down to 25. It really doesn't matter because if I'm not even willing to pay 25, I don't care what you say they're worth. Right. And the fact that you say, well, they're valued at $50. No, there's no value at $50. And you know that. You that it takes two people to make a value. It takes about a Bingo. buyer and a seller. It takes a buyer and a seller to create value. So you can't say they're valued at $50 because they're still sitting on the shelf. Right. Now, if they sit on the shelf long enough at $25, the company's going to realize they're not valuable at $25 anymore. They have the price has to come down so that two people can come together and have a financial transaction <clears throat> which pleases both parties right and another part of this is the incentive you know the the people who make the sweatpants have an incentive to make them in such a way that there's going to be a value to the customer if they don't right. they're not going to sell them and they're or at least they're not going to sell them for what they want to sell them for so if they right. if they take $25 per pair of sweatpants and make a bad pair of sweatpants and no one buys them for $50. And now they got to turn around and sell them for $20. Well, that company is not going to be in business anymore because they didn't right. make a good product and people didn't want the product. Exactly. Not for what they could build it for. So <clears throat> there's an incentive to provide a valuable product. You know, I mean, the, you know, we're, we're talking over, over our computers here and, you know, there's a, there was an incentive for the, the, the people who built our computers to make a good computer for us to right. be able to do this, or we wouldn't have bought them. Now you have a poor choice of computer, which, you know, well, no accounting for taste, but I, <laughs> <clears throat> you're a seriously confused man, but that's all right. <laughs> Android lover. <clears throat> we, we have this ongoing um, <laughs> Mac anti Mac or, or P or Apple anti Apple battle forever. So that was kind of an inside joke there, but anyway, but the but my right. point is, you know, companies aren't going to stay in business that long. And so, you know, we, you mentioned like CEO pay and yeah, and that kind of stuff. Well, they're that guy is providing a value to the company, and the company thinks that's what he's worth. Right. And who is anybody else to say, well, that guy's not worth that? If yeah. he comes in and provides these great ideas and this great vision, and and works a bunch of deals behind the scenes with other companies where they get, you know, maybe raw materials at a better price or whatever. And if he increases the value of a business by a billion dollars, sure. Why doesn't he deserve to be paid for that? Right. Yeah. 
And if he's no. not worth that, the company's going to fire him. He oh, they, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, if you think about, you know, if you think about a fast food worker, right? I think we've both worked fast food. You worked in Wendy's. I worked in Arby's, but you know, that's in a different discussion. Right. <laughs> but the point is both of them sell fries, right? They both have fryers for their French fries. When you get hired by that company to make French fries, there's a certain value to push a button that says three minutes and 30 seconds for fries. You lift the basket, you dump it, you pour salt on it, you stick it in a cardboard box and out it goes. Right. And just about anybody can do that. So I don't know about your um, employment growth at Wendy's, but I didn't always stay stuck at the fryer. No, because I had an incentive to, to add skills. Right. To become more valuable to the company because the more value to Wendy's I have, the more they're going to pay me. So, exactly. you know, six months from then when it's time to look at my, rev- you know, review what I'm doing most, you know, most places you have a review process especially right. the larger companies. So when I have my review and they decide if they're going to pay me more money or even keep me employed, we're going to look at my skill set. Well, skill set's the same. We're going to pay them the same. But if I have taken the initiative to learn how to work the grill, which is a lot higher skill than, especially at Wendy's, <laughs> and pushing a button for the fries. Yeah. If you're, you know, or... <clears throat> Back in my day, talking as an old older guy, <laughs> you know, it was hard to work the drive-through window because we didn't have all the fancy stuff they have now, where you just push a button and it keeps track sure. of all the orders. We didn't sure. have that. We had an old-fashioned cash register. So when they came, you up, too, yeah. Oh man. So like we, they... you know, we hit how much it was, and then when they came up to the window, we had to be able to manually do change. It didn't do it for us, right? And uh, and we had to keep track of the orders and and make sure the right car got the right order and. All that stuff could be pretty complicated, especially when it's really busy and there's a lunch rush and, and there's yeah. people everywhere. Right. Yeah. I Go ahead. So, so in learning all those skills, I've become more valuable to the company and it's a lot more profitable to them to keep me, pay me a little more, maybe even treat me a little better because I already have these skills. And if they bring in someone new, they're not going to have those skills and they're going to have to train them. They're going to start with fries and right. hopefully yeah. have some initiative and, and become better. But, but that's a, it's a risk. Whereas me, I'm already there. I know the job. They like me. Um, they know I'm going to work hard while I'm there. And I eventually became an assistant manager at Wendy's and um, now it took me leaving and getting mm-hmm. other job skills and then coming back and becoming an assistant manager. But I had that initiative to do that. And I became much more value to them. And I made a lot more money as the assistant manager as I did as the fry guy. Right. So think about, think about an individual like you that can now not only make sandwiches, make fries, run the register. Now as assistant manager, you can run the store. Okay. Versus the manager. Right. Right. And you go from, now you go from manager to not just managing a store, but maybe you go to owning four or five stores. Right. So, so, so who's got, who's got value, the person that's employing multiple people or the person that can push the button and flip fries into a cardboard box for that company to help them make money. And the idea is, is that if I want to grow like you did, you left, you added some skill to your skill set, came back, and now you brought more value to the company. Company said, okay, not only let's promote you, let's give you more money. 
This is the whole thing. I think sometimes we don't think about, well, that company made a billion dollars. Okay, but that company employs 10,000 people or whatever the amount is. And that individual right. that is responsible for the vision of that company, the individual that is responsible for staying ahead of the curve to make sure that everybody can get a raise, right, <clears throat> et cetera, um, is a huge responsibility. I mean, we've all seen companies that go belly up <clears throat> because of a crooked CEO or right. a CEO that lacks vision. And now all of a sudden, I've got 10,000 people without a job. Um, when you stop and think about a company and what they do for a society, again, provided they're not corrupt and they are ethical, right? Um, it goes a very long way. <clears throat> I would even, I would love to get your thought on this. You know, <clears throat> a company should want to grow. Right. Right. Like, uh, to me, a company that wants to reach a certain level and just stay stagnant, I don't want to grow anymore, really does a disservice to their employees and a disservice to society in general. Right. Because if, if a company's not growing, the people that work for them can't grow either. Mm. I mean, if, I, if I'm not growing, you know, if, 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 I've, if I have a company that is stagnant, I'm not hiring anybody else. And if I'm not... yeah. If I'm not growing, the people who work for me, they can't move up, can't move up an organization that's not growing because there's nowhere to move. Everybody's stagnant. Everybody's stuck. So, you, yeah. so now my employees can't better themselves. And, you know, if it's a large enough company where it's like publicly traded or there's other stockholders, they're not yeah. getting more value for what they have. Their, their investment's not doing anything. And if you're not yeah. doing anything, you're losing money. It's a great point. I would even venture to say, I think what i I would venture to say, and what I think I'm hearing you say is that uh, once you stop growing as a company, whether you <clears throat> choose to say, you know what, I've got this number of employees, I'm done and I'm good and I'm fine here. Um, you're not increasing value to society. You're not increasing value to right. your employees' lives. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And it, it's, it's that kind of old adage about the, you know, the rising tide raises all ships. You know, and there, and, mm, and it goes back to what yeah. we were talking about earlier about there being, you know, there's not just a one pie where everybody's getting their slice of the pie. Right. It's, when you build wealth, it, it 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 builds for everyone who has a a part in that. Yeah. And if you don't, if you're not growing, and you're not building your value, you're doing a disservice to anyone who's a stakeholder in that organization and a stakeholder doesn't have to be an owner a stakeholder right. can be an employee a stakeholder can be a customer um a stakeholder could be the employee's toddler who's you know chasing the house and trying to find their binky i mean right right seriously <clears throat> yeah. yeah yeah um absolutely i, I think that i think what happens when people make comments like that company made too much money is it's a re, it's a result of um jealousy perhaps or a regret um to say I'm not, well i'm not sure i agree with the perhaps word <laughs> <laughs> well i'm not gonna <clears throat> i don't want to make a uh, all-encompassing statement um but <clears throat> because that will be uh shot down i'm sure but this notion that you know, 
well, that's just, that's too much, um, is ridiculous is just really, really ridiculous. Um, go ahead. I, I thought maybe you were wanting to say something. No, I agree. And I, I, I never understood how one human can be upset at the success of another human. I've never understood that concept at all. Right. And, you know, and, and a, a real life situation that, that I'm a part of, as I mentioned earlier, I'm, I'm a sports official. I, I, my biggest sports football, I love football. I work lower level college football. And, you know, sometimes we'll have someone who gets promoted, you know, maybe mm-hmm. they become a, a D1 football official. Yeah. And there's always people who, oh, I can't believe they made it. I didn't make it. How come I didn't make it? Mm. How can you be unhappy wow. for? And you're, you're friends with that person. Yeah. It's not just some random person. This is someone I've yeah. shared the football field with for the last yeah. 10 years. And now they've made it. Why are you not happy for that person? I've never understood that. Well, I would think just let me let me play uh, the negative side of this. And that is for selfish reasons. Why wouldn't you be happy for them for selfish reasons? Right. Right. And stay connected to them because you might get a little of the uh, the overflow. Right. Well, yeah. Well, for sure. I mean, just from a pure selfish reason. And I'm kind of benefiting from that a little bit now. I'm I'm trying to move up myself. And yeah, I just put in my application. I called several people I know who have already made the jump and said, Hey, can I use you as a reference? Yeah. And and, so, and they were all and they know I was happy for them when they were brought right. up. And right. you know, and I made a point, you know, whenever someone I know, I, I know quite a few people who are NFL officials now. Yeah. And, and I always make a point and this is, and I don't do it for selfish reasons. Sure. I make a point to reach out and say, Hey, I just heard you, you know, you're hired by the NFL. It's awesome. I just want to say congrats. It's well-deserved. Yeah. You're a really yeah. good official. And, yeah. and then, and, and I've had some of them who I've been real close with who would share things like that. But you wouldn't believe how many people are like yeah. not talking to me now. I, I have heard, I, I have said this over and over and I continue to see it more and more. S- People throw stones from the ground up, rarely from the sky down. People throw stones upwards far more than they throw them down. Um, I think of the CEOs that I've known and and people that I've known that have run major companies and so on. And man, some of the nicest, greatest people donating to charities and and helping people, you know, um, not, it's almost always the other way around i mean it's just um and i think i think what happens is our own selfish greed sets in well that's not fair you know they shouldn't and we begin to make assumptions about people because of the money they make when we do that with companies well they're making that much money they must like you said earlier they must be taking it from somebody right they must no nobody's taking it people are you create it based on the value you can bring to a society. And if society doesn't value totally what you bring, then you need to find something else to earn an income. Right. Um, and I think, I think we should be happy for those people that create wealth, not only for themselves, but create wealth for others. Right. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And then continue to grow it so that they can create more wealth for those people and create more opportunities for other people um, <clears throat> is just a tremendous thing. Um, you know, I think people say and all it, the time, go ahead. And it's, yeah. and it's biblical. It is. It, it's, it's biblical that you earn what you're worth. Oh, it's completely biblical. And that, um, and that you, you pay someone what's their worth. I mean, that's how many... How many scriptures are there about paying a man oh, what he's worth? Hundreds. It's got to be a lot. Hundreds. Yeah. Um, I, let me just give a couple examples, I guess. Uh, the first one I would would give uh, comes from a sermon from last Sunday. Uh, let me actually just quickly pull those, pull those notes up. Um, but in Micah 4.4, 4, um, it, make, it makes it very clear. Um, let me actually just quote a few Zechariah 310, first Kings 425. And the one I'll specifically focus on is Micah 4, 4. <clears throat> and it says that <clears throat> we should allow everyone to sit under their own fig tree and their own vine. Right. And those two things are symbolic. Uh, the vine is, in Hebraic thought, the vine is symbolic of what you personally are able to produce. And then your own fig tree, the fig tree is symbolic of blessing. So basically what you have is an individual who is able to produce wealth, take that wealth and reinvest it to create additional wealth, which is blessing. So it's, <clears throat> that is blessing. And I'm going to go any further and I'm really going to ruffle feathers with this, but George Washington used Micah 4.4 55 different times in personal letters to people talking about the founding of the United States. That's incredible. And, I yeah, didn't know that. I, and I'm, and I'm, I'm a big history buff and George Washington's like my favorite person in history. And I didn't know that. Yeah. Let me let, actually, let me read you a letter that he wrote to the Hebrew synagogue in uh, Newport, Rhode Island. He wrote this. He said, may the children of the stock of Abraham who dwell in this land continue to merit and enjoy the goodwill of the other inhabitants while everyone shall sit in safety under his own vine and fig tree. And there shall be none to make him afraid. George Washington <laughs> wrote them using symbolism that they would have understood. Our intent is that everybody can sit under their own production and their own reinvestment and continue to grow and relax and be safe from <clears throat> whatever might come to steal their wealth. I mean, that's so <clears throat> I guess when you think about that, um, that really encourages this idea of, of your ability to grow your own wealth, sit underneath of it, reinvest it fig tree reinvest additional blessing on top of what you produced from your vine. Um, but we don't see it that way. I think jealousy, our own, uh, our own greed, greedish needs, we've not been able to meet, um, you know? And so when we make comments like, well, why do they have a house that big really reveals more about you than it does the person owning the house. For sure. Um, yeah. Did you want to jump in on that? No, I, I think you're exactly right. I mean, I think there's a there's a reason why envy is one of the seven deadly sins. <laughs> um, you know, and and you know, and thou shalt not covet is one of the ten commandments. Right. Um, you know. Right. It. 
No, let me ask you something. Let me let me go here for a minute at the okay. risk of slipping down a slope. It it says don't cover your neighbor, your neighbor's possessions, right? Don't cover your neighbor. Well, that that implies that you personally own things and the county and the city and the government doesn't own it. It implies right. you own oh. it. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> Just like George Washington let everybody sit underneath their own production, their own ability to produce for their family. Well, and the pilgrims tried that when they <clears throat> came over here. They tried to do a common, you know, everybody owned. Share the wealth. Yeah. Yeah. And they realized quickly that didn't work because where's your incentive to do anything? And, you know, mm, just like say, any. Say that where, again. Where, where's your incentive to do anything if you just, you're just going to have your, your part anyway. You right. know, I'm not, why am I going to go work hard when it doesn't matter? I'm still going to get the same amount no matter how hard I work. Right. There's what's no the what's the incentive that. to what's the incentive if the fry maker is making as much as the CEO? Yeah. And just you know, if you've been in school and you've done a group project, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's always the one or two people that does all the work, and then there's other people that yep. that either don't do anything or they slack off, or you know, and the people who really want a good grade and care are the ones who actually do the work. Yeah, it's same. It's kind of the same thing. Yeah, I I love what um I love what Adam Smith. If you're familiar with, you're a history guy, so you probably know who Adam Smith is. And this is a little I bit do. of economics, so you should know Adam Smith. Uh, in his book <clears throat> Wealth of Nations, which was absolutely groundbreaking when he wrote it, he said this. He said the natural effort of every individual to better his own condition is so powerful a principle that it alone and without any assistance, not only capable of carrying on the society to wealth and prosperity, but of surmounting a hundred impertinent obstructions. Like this desire to better ourselves is of, of our own expense, like taking the initiative to do it yourself, not relying on somebody else to better your condition. He said is should be should be and is so powerful in the human soul that um that we will find we will find obstacles obsolete it will drive us to push forward um yeah for sure yeah and well, I, well, one thing i'd recommend to people who who really don't feel like you have a firm grasp of economics there's there's a book by uh thomas soul um, I don't know if you're familiar with him or not. No, how do you spell he, his last name? I'll make sure it's in the in the uh, show notes. It is S O W E L L. Okay. And he's he's an economist, and he mm -hmm. has this fantastic book called Basic Economics. And I know it sounds dry and awful, but he actually makes it really interesting, and it's a really good book. But he he boils down economics <clears throat> to some pretty basic principles, mm -hmm. and that would give anyone who feels like they they need to know more about economics just because you don't know really much yeah it's a fantastic book and okay. it i read it years ago i probably should read it again because it's been a long time <laughs> but it's it, it's just it's fantastic and it, it puts in really simple terms you know how economics works what it is even i mean how, do you even know yeah. what you know how many people know what you mean when you're talking about economics and yeah um, you know, people think it's, a, it's about money, but economics really is, it's not very little about money. Money is just one right. way we express it, but it's really about, it's about scarce resources. 
You know, there's, hmm. we only have so much of stuff. How are we going to allocate them? That's what, that's what economics is. And I would, it's excellent. Go, go ahead. I, I, I would actually add to that. I would add that economics is about, I would add that economics is spiritual and it's about relationships. Absolutely. Um, if, if, for example, I have chickens <clears throat> and let's say you are a lawn care service, right? <laughs> right. I need my lawn cut, but you need to eat. I mean, at a very basic level, how well we can interact and grow our relationship based on how we can serve one another. And the economy stems from that. This being the ability to serve one another is extremely spiritual. Absolutely. And if I decide, if you decide that my yard is worth a dozen eggs or two dozen eggs, I have to figure out if I agree with you or not. Right. Or can I get that service elsewhere? economics isn't just about the exchange of goods and and produce. It's, it's about developing the relationship. Um, And then what grows out of that, which to me, economics is spiritual because you don't see animals doing that. Right. Right. You, you, You don't, you don't see two cows coming together in the middle of the pasture saying, Hey, I'll give you two extra fence posts if you'll give me uh, four extra dandelions. I mean, <laughs> only right. only humans can create something in their head and then bring it into a tangible world. That is a spiritual act. Absolutely. Um, 100% <clears throat> agree. Yeah. Yeah. I will make sure that uh, book, Basic Economics by Thomas Sal, is in the show notes for sure so people can get a hold of it. Man, what else you got for us? This is this has been good discussion. Yeah, real good. Um, I'm afraid my value to you is running out. Those <laughs> I run out of things to talk about about this topic. <laughs> yeah, demote, no. I mean, de- if you demote me back to fry guy for no, absolutely not, man. <laughs> absolutely not. You know, really, honestly, if you think about <clears throat> from a biblical perspective, what did God tell Adam and Eve? Here's the earth. Subdue it take a portion of it and begin to work it and begin to produce that's economics right out of the gate. Absolutely. Right out of the gate. In fact, I want to just touch on most people don't realize this, you know, a Christians especially don't know this. And I would say that's really sad. And that's this, you know, every time, if you look at creation, God created and it says, and he saw it was good and he saw it was good. Right. And so how many times did God say it was good? Seven. Mm -hmm. What people, what most people don't know is that God said it was good eight times. Do you know, I'm going (laughs) to, do you Uh, know when, why, and where did God say on the eighth time that it was good? I do not. Genesis 2.12, he said gold was good. Really? Yep. Most people do not know this, and especially Christians. Genesis 2.12. Yeah, look it up. Go ahead and look that up. It says that the gold was good, 
And not only does it say gold, but I think that same scripture probably also <laughs> references uh, jewels uh, as well. But, oh, um, and the gold of that land is good. Yep. Yeah. Um, economics is biblical. Um, freedom to sit under your own vine and your own produce. This idea of personal ownership, not government ownership, is biblical. Um, <clears throat> the idea that I can take my uh, vine, which is production, and grow it into a blessing uh, as a fig tree is divine inspiration, is spiritual. Um, and so, man, I would just uh, thank you so much for coming on and this sharing. This has been great. I really enjoyed this. Yeah, I've enjoyed having you on too. We need to do it again for sure. Sure. So, all right, man. Well, we will, uh, I'm sure we'll have you on again sometime soon. Thanks, Tyson. All right. Thanks, Rick. Mm-hmm.